This is Stefan Cobbs, our receiver out of Boise State, and you're listening to the Chasing the Natty podcast. Coming up on Chasing the Natty, the way you start your CFF drafts can sometimes make or break how you feel going into the season, and we're going to help you break down all sorts of early draft strategies to help you figure out which one suits you the best. In order to help with this, we have Mr. Mitch Hart to dissect each of these strategies with his years of experience. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on Monday morning. Uh, sorry about uh, not putting out a podcast last week. Again, things just got so crazy with uh, getting the CFF guide ready to go for you guys and everything like that. Thanks, Mitch. Uh, I saw that. Uh, for those of you who are listening on podcast, Mitch uh, just gave me a giant L on, on his forehead, which if you don't know the all-star song, uh, that means a loser. Um, but anyway, uh, we definitely, uh, again, we made sure we got that out for you guys. More on that kind of stuff later. But again, today we're going to be talking some draft strategy, uh, specifically how to start your CFF drafts, what we think is going to be kind of your optimal way to start. We'll be discussing different positions, whether you should fade them, whether you should target them early. And we're going to we're going to be looking at all of that in order to help us out with that, though. We do have the aforementioned Mr. Mitch Hart on with us today. Mitch, how are you doing today, sir? Every day is a great day to be Mitch. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Again, I'm, I'm enjoying it down here in Savannah. Um, again, moved about two weeks ago and everything. I actually just went back home this past weekend to visit my girlfriend. Uh, she's still in Athens, but I'm, I'm chilling down here in Savannah. Love this city. Awesome, man. That's good to hear. I've, I've never been there. I need to uh, make a trip out. You can uh, take me out to dinner. But yeah, no, Savannah's a great city. Um, um, again, I'm, I'm only going to be here for about five more weeks, um, and then I'm going to be moving back up to Athens. I'm just down here for an internship. But again, I really like it down here, and I imagine this will not be the last time I take a visit to Savannah. And who knows? If things work out with this uh, internship, maybe uh, I'll be moving down here full time. So That's awesome. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, when I finally actually managed to grow up, um, again, I've been studying civil engineering for the last five years at the University of Georgia. And so the company I'm working for down here uh, deals with pre-stressed concrete. And so it basically, if you ever drive underneath a bridge and you see like those giant concrete beams that they have kind of running underneath them, that's pretty much what they work in. And they also deal with like piles and like the foundational, like deep foundations and stuff like that. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, you say, big build, you build big piles. I, big, I like that. Exactly. A big bit. I, that's a five year degree now, everybody. Five year degree and a lot of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good money in uh, in deep foundations. Anyway, uh, awesome. a lot of people are wondering why we're talking about this and wondering why we haven't gotten to the college fantasy yet. Uh, but again, it's fun to talk about things outside of college fantasy sometimes. But there you go. Anyway, Mitch, what's going on with you, man? Well, I've uh, been riding a little, been performing a little, uh, been having a lot of fun this summer. So I uh, went on vacation to Maui and Ooh. in two weeks, 
I'm spending a week in Brooklyn, Manhattan. So that'll be fun too. So I like to travel. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I don't get to travel a whole ton because again, I'm just never really been much of a traveler guy. I've been out of the country one time in my life. Uh, that was uh, a trip to South Africa when I was in, I think it was between my sophomore and junior year of high school. Went That's there cool. for a YMCA trip for about 10 days. It was, it was a very, very cool trip. I loved it. Um, That's I was, awesome. If all things go correctly, I should be able to go to Spain in December. So that should be pretty fun. My girlfriend, uh, her family have a lot of connections there in Spain. So we might be able to get a house for a couple for a couple weeks. So awesome. it should be a good time. Uh, well, cool. But anyway, let's uh, let's really kind of get into uh, today's show again. Pretty pretty jam packed show today here. Uh, kind of looking at this show sheet, so we'll get kind of right into it. But first, we do have a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, for, don't worry, y'all. We're not getting to my spiel yet because first things first, I do have to tell you guys about the CFF guide from Campus of Canton. Um, the the CFF team here at Campus Canton have been working their butts off over the last couple of months to really bring, put this all together and bring it to you guys. Specifically, it was myself, Chris Moxley, and Nate Marquise were really the brain, child, brain children behind this, but we also had some great help from Brandon Sanders, Austin Nace, and Dwight Peebles. They helped us out in a ton of different ways. Um, but again, this, this guide includes pretty much everything you're going to need for a very low price of just $20. It includes team breakdowns and previews for all 131 FBS teams, including the new James Madison Dukes who have just entered the FBS, so we got them as well. Uh, you can also go and find a, a team breakdown for the New Mexico, uh, New Mexico Lobos if you're, if you're really trying to find some value there. Um, but also includes player profiles for about 36 QBs, 48 running backs, 60 wide receivers, and 24 tight ends, and rankings that go even deeper than that. We got rankings for about 60 quarterbacks, 72 running backs, 84 wide receivers, and 48 tight ends. In addition to all that, you have Nate Marquise's freshman 50, pl 50 player profiles. A lot of you guys may have gotten the Campus of Canton freshman supplemental guide that came out earlier this year. Nate talks about some of those guys, but he also includes a lot of guys that were not are not guys that we're expecting to go to the NFL but could easily produce for CFF this upcoming year and earn roles very early on. And so absolutely check out that section as well. We got a sample mock draft in there that we're going to be using heavily today. So we'll get into more of that later. And then finally, we got some CFF team and coaching analytics to finish off the guide, give you a better idea of which systems truly produce the best um for their players, as well as the fact that like you got a lot of coaches that have moved around this season, so let's take a look at what they've done at the previous jobs and see if maybe that can translate to what they're doing going forward. Mitch, I know you are an NIL member of the CampusCanton.com website. Have you gotten a chance to read through the CFF guide yet? Yes, I have, and you you kind of ended on what I use it for or got from it so far the most. Uh, you're you're the system guy, and it has a lot of information in there about uh, offensive coordinators that switch positions, switch schools, uh, or positions. And, um, you know, if you're a system guy, it really does help. There have been a lot of changes, and most people, again, focus on the transfers. I like your icons that show who is a transfer and who's not. That's very cool, along with the returning starter icons. Those are uh, cool things to just uh, for the average college uh, fantasy football player, which whomever that is, uh, the average guy. It's it's good to, to remember this guy's a transfer. He's trying to beat out this guy uh, for like uh, Akron, yeah. you know, just a very good 
you know, they have a good returning starter, a solid guy, but they have a transfer from a larger school. It just gives you a quick reference when you're drafting that you could just uh, PDF through. So I like it. It's very good work. Yeah, no, again, we it was a it was very much a labor of love. We managed to get it out for you guys on Fourth of July, and the response has been wonderful so far. But um, in addition to all that, guys, like again, we're already thinking about what we're going to do for it next year and everything. Because again, while we really do enjoy what we put out for you guys this year, we want to make it even better next year. So don't be afraid to reach out to myself, Nate, Chris Moxley, again. Just let us know, like, hey, this part was awesome. This part you could change up a little bit. We've gotten some great feedback from some people already. Very much looking forward to just doing this all over again next year. And again, guys, this is only $20. It's 230 pages of CFF content for you to read through. To me, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, very good value. I like it. Y'all did a great job. All right, now we can get into my spiel. And that is we here at Chase and Natty are part of the Campus Canton CFF team, as well as just the Campus Canton podcast network in general. It is myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley who run the CFF team. We got podcasts for you. We got articles, rankings, CFF ADP, and even more than that to come. We got the draft predictor tool. Mitch, you love telling me how you you. you uniquely use that tool um and again we got the cff guy we just went through all that and everything so absolutely go check out all of our content on campuscanton.com and then again check out some of the other podcasts here on the campus of canton network on mondays you have myself on chasing the natty with the which is a cff podcast on tuesdays you have campus life with austin nace and colin decker which on podcast which is the college side of the flagship campus canton podcast on Wednesdays, you have Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. On Thursdays, you get Canton Bound with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. That's the NFL side of the flagship Campus Canton podcast. You also get the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple. That is a recruiting analytics show. Mitch, I know for a fact you love diving into high school high school players. And so I think that is a perfect kind of podcast if you're a guy like Mitch. Love hearing about these high school guys because they're already talking about like they've been talking about the 2023 guys and now they're moving on even a little bit into some of the 2024 guys absolutely worth checking out and it's also on the podcast feed now it used to be just a youtube exclusive now it's moved over onto the podcast feed and then fridays as always you have the future freshman podcast with brandon sanders on podcast and youtube forum uh, he's been on a little bit of a hiatus r- lately but i i've been talking to him behind the scenes he has been putting in a ton of work getting ready for this next upcoming year he's going to start talking about 2023 guys it's going to be absolutely awesome check out the uh future freshman podcast as well and then finally one last thing here um that I really want to mention here. I haven't done a great job of mentioning this in the past, but I am part of the Kings Classic League that will be in the um, the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton this year. And one of the things that the Kings Classic CFF uh, League is hoping to do is we are raising money for St. Jude's Hospital. And currently we, we want to uh, raise about $2,500. We're currently at about $1,560 and it's barely into July right now. So if we can absolutely hit that goal, just send like five, ten dollars towards um, the link that is provided on John Lobb's Twitter page. Uh, I believe he has it as his pinned tweet there at the top. Again, just send five, ten dollars. If everybody does that, we can absolutely hit that goal, no problem whatsoever. So if you just have a few minutes out of your day, just go ahead and do that. Raise some money for an absolutely great cause. So, all right, Mitch, let's get into the meat of this and everything. Um, so we're going to divide this into two segments and the first segment is I put out a tweet, uh, I forget what day I put it out, but it was a couple of days ago 
where I just straight up asked people, I said, hey, assuming like a two quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, one flex, standard CFF redraft league, what's your approach in the first couple of rounds? Which positions are you fading? Which ones are you targeting? That kind of stuff. And so we're going to kind of run through some of those responses here, and then we're going to kind of make a uh, quick reaction to each of them. Because again, y'all responded, I, I was looking for some of y'all to just say, oh, I like grabbing two wide receivers or like, oh, I like grabbing running back quarterback to start and everything. But some of y'all put some like really thought, some big thought into these answers. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's read some of these out and let's actually talk about it a little bit. Let's so do let's, it. We'll start with the first one. This comes from Daniel Strait. And he says, get a top QB. Seems in my home league, whoever has the number one QB wins more often than not. Although, if I pick towards the end of a round, I t I'll take a running back or a wide receiver if there's only one left in the top tier. What do you think there, Mitch? All right. Well, first, uh, he said a word that's going to be a buzzword, I believe, throughout these responses, which is the word tier. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a tier guy, which most people are, um, there are just so many guys in tier one. Yep. And if you're picking at the elbow, uh, the guys that normally fall in a tier of quarterbacks. Uh, you know that I've picked down there at the 12 hole, a lot of now are places in it normally just leads me to, there's only uh, one position with tier guys left and that's QB. So I don't mind it. It's good. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I often find myself looking at my queue and like, I try to keep guys of all different positions in there. And like, I can see where my tier breaks are when I'm looking at my list of guys. And I'm, that's when I start to feel the pressure of like, mm -hmm. alrighty, Normally, I would feel comfortable just taking a wide receiver here, but if like after one or two more running backs, I feel like there's a big tier break after that, and so that's when I'll probably take a running back at that moment. So yep. next one up here, we got uh, their name's just College Fantasy Football, but they are College Fantasy Football on Instagram. Um, new guys to the scene, absolutely go follow them, by the way. They put out some really good graphics and really good content. But they say, it comes down to tiers. There's that buzzword again. And how many guys yes. remain in your top tiers at the time that you pick? I'd say if you're down to the last tier one QB, when it's your turn, go grab him. From there, it's all about shuffling through the best available at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, until you get the starting lineup. And he also added that, I, I asked him again, I'm, just like, I'm like, all right, so like, what's your typical strategy? He's like, he's like most likely I'm going to go quarterback and running back to start, and then probably doubling up on two wide receivers, and then coming back to quarterback and run, running back. I feel like that's kind of a standard way for most people kind of walking into a draft. Again, there's the buzzword again, tiers. Um, the other thing is it's just about kind of flowing with the draft a lot of times. If you go into a draft saying, like, I will do this, this, and this, this will be my strategy, you're going to get burned, I'd say, more than 50% of the time if you feel completely stuck to that. Now, there's no problem with having a plan going in. And thinking about like, all righty, this is these are the players I kind of expect to be. Here's what I'm kind of thinking I'll come out with. Um, but Mitch, what do you think overall? Okay, this? so first the or next, I would say what we have to do is differentiate between tiers from the first and second rounds to rounds five and six. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, say you you have a, a void yes. of a tier. And like you really or whomever you follow, which I'll get into in a minute, has a has a nice solid tier one, but they have a very small tier two of in any position. Say mm -hmm. say wide receiver though, it's because of what he just said. 
But that tier three of wide receiver that has Cephas, Mims, Franklin, Cropper, Wicks, uh, Flowers. Well, you know, okay, why I like those tier threes, just say you do. Well, maybe that tier is deep enough for you to get two tier three guys. Mm-hmm. So you can you can maybe overpay for a tier two quarterback or a back in tier one uh, quarterback and double tap because you know in those rounds you're going to go receiver receiver. Yeah. So uh, you can't just look at tier one when it comes to the beginning of your draft strategy if you want to maximize the tiers that you set yourself. No, I, I think that's a great point. All right, we got Jason Burlingame here. Or I think I pronounced that name right. Jason, if you hear this and I uh, completely butchered that, I apologize. Uh, he says, I feel your draft spot dictates how you start a draft. Then you have to go off the first pick, factoring in how many starters each position requires, how the draft is flowing. Example is every everyone has their QB. You can wait. I think I'm reading this wrong. Has their QB? No, if everyone has their QB, you can wait on it. Yeah. No. All right. Don't do it, dude. Don't do that. I'm telling you, if you're in a draft like uh, with me, I'm going to get you. I see this all the time in best ball drafts, especially. People will wait, and then I'll just grab two bench Mm -hmm. quarterbacks. In best ball, most of the leagues start two quarterbacks each week, but you can play. I mean, all of your guys are in play this week. So instead of letting, again, your favorite tier two or three quarterbacks, like mine is Will Levi's, that's Mm -hmm. my mid-round guy that I'm high on, I'm not going to let Bainbridge wait on quarterbacks and then just uh, pick up Will Levi's Mm -hmm. and Will Rogers. I'm not going to let him do it. So I'll just pick those guys and say, look, you know, I can, I start these, I start these quarterbacks every week. So the only thing that I really disagree on that is uh, if you wait too long, a savvy owner or two can really hang you where you miss another tier of quarterback and go all the way down to a tier four guy for your starting quarterback, which is dangerous. I mean, that's kind of what I did last week. If, if y'all watched the live draft that I did with John Lobb last week, where I started QB heavy, um, I can't remember. I got CJ Stroud and I got, no, I grabbed Caleb Williams and I think I grabbed somebody else in like the third round. I think it was Hendon Hooker or something like that. Uh, Cause I thought it was just an insane value. And then Dylan Gabriel was still there in like the eighth round. And I'm like, already listen, like I, I already have my two guys, but I'm going to price enforce here. Like, I'm going to say, like, hey, this is too far. I'll take another guy that, like, I don't have to worry about quarterback at all pretty much at that point. Because I got three guys and three Dylan Gabriel and is a high-end version of my little Will Levi story. Yeah. In a draft that I did with you and Brandon a few weeks ago, I took Dylan Gabriel as my QB3. No, I, just beware. Uh, the person who you read uh, their response, just be aware of waiting too long at quarterback because there are some really meaty QB threes that people will take off the board. So be careful. I'll ask you this, Mitch, because the the first part of his response kind of interests me where he says your draft spot kind of dictates how you start a draft. Um, It doesn't to me unless you draft uh, 10th, 11th or 12th. I was going to say that that turn, especially at the very end, can very much determine how you kind of start off your draft. Because if, you if can... you pick fifth, if you pick fifth, you could pick a very, very solid wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could pick the best or second best uh, quarterback running back. And and you could pick, you know, 
uh, uh, Ali. Yep. See, I mean, it just, no, I just, but at the elbow, it does matter because too many things have to come to you. You can't just say, I'm going to pick a running back. If you're looking and Braylon Allen's already gone and you're looking at someone under Allen already, but you could take uh, a toasty wide receiver or again, double tap the quarterback. I, th I think he's right at the end. I don't think in the middle that's necessarily accurate. I would definitely agree with you. Again, that, that's kind of like, that's what interests me when I first read that. I was like, okay, yeah, at the turn, it definitely does change a little bit of things. Um, Sooner Nation, CFF, uh, at CFF Nation, he says, running back heavy with the quarterbacks close behind. Wide receivers seem to be easier to navigate. What do you think overall about that, Mitch? Uh, you got to know your own strengths as a fantasy owner. Uh, my strengths are not wide receiver. Uh, never have been. Uh, the years that I've, I've dominated um, leagues were years that I had wide receivers already that were in place, and I could focus the rest of my draft on my meat and potatoes. When I'm searching for wide receivers, I always tend to pick the guys who get six catches for 80 yards and no touchdowns, and that's how you lose. So you got to kind of know what you do. I am excellent at taking late round uh, running backs. Excellent. Yeah. So it went, when everyone goes running back, I know I'm going to have to make up some ground, but I personally am good at getting running backs. So now nah, I think, uh, again, you kind of got to know your own strengths. I, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, last one here. This comes from College Football Magic. This is at Dadino860 on Twitter. And he just simply says, fade quarterback every time. <laughs> Look, um, uh, if you're going to take a steadfast, rock-solid lock position of a position you're going to fade, I guess quarterback is probably the one. Reason? There's 130 schools. 130 um, so there's... 130 quarterbacks. So uh, oftentimes, too, you can play matchup games with quarterbacks. Again, if you're good at it, I am not. I know others that are at streaming quarterbacks. Uh, I have a guy in our uh, the league that you and I are in, um, Cupcakes is his team name. He's very good at streaming quarterbacks, Val Gunn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you, again, if you're good at it, uh, he used to play quarterback. So, you know, if you're good at it, do it. Uh, but just you're going to start off on projections, and it's something that I'm going to hit on in a minute. Mm -hmm. If you wait on quarterback, your team's going to be behind about 175 points in projections, which is a dang solid running back, too. Mm -hmm. So you are giving – you are a Jordan Mims behind me right at the beginning. That's a lot to overcome. No, you're 100%. And, like, somebody who I imagine takes this mindset will sit there and say, hey – like there's guys who are like mid round picks all the time that end up being a first, like a uh, top 12 overall QB. But it's kind of like what you said earlier, Mitch, you got to play to your strengths. If you are good yes. at identifying those guys, then yeah, take that strategy and say like, Hey, I see some value here. Like maybe Mitch, if you took a late QB strategy and you saw Will Levis was still there in the 10th round, you'd probably be feeling pretty good about yourself. I imagine. Yep. But if you, but if you take that strategy and you plan on taking Will Levis in the ninth round and he goes off in the eighth, suddenly you're left with your hands hands in the air and you're sitting there going like, all righty, well, I got to go find somebody else. It always happens uh, every year. The late round running back again, I just want to remind people of the strategy. Uh, I'm in and you were in this draft as well. Last year is the first uh, year you were in 
my home league and you actually won. Um, these were guys that were drafted in the last four rounds at running back. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, Sean Tucker, Hassan Haskins, Brad Roberts, uh, Marquez Cooper. All those guys were drafted in the last four rounds. Yeah. Look, here's the deal with late round running backs. They just got to be the starter. Yeah. See, so many late round running backs are late round running backs because we don't know if they're going to be the starter or not. Mm-hmm. And in a different show, we can rattle off all the guys that we believe are those guys from your Mike Washington all the way down to the dude at Toledo who's hanging out with Penny Boone, yeah. Micah Kelly. Davis or Kelly. Micah Kelly. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Micah Kelly could be nothing or it could be something. Yeah. The deal is that quarterback you're likely not going to be nothing or something. I could rattle off the quarterbacks that were in rounds 20 to 17 the past five years, and there are very few that are elite. Now, they're starter-level guys every every year, and I'm talking QB 20 to 30. You can always find a QB 20 or 30 late in the draft. You rarely find – QB seven. Yeah. You're, you're very rarely going to find a Kenny Pickett like last year. I grabbed yeah. Kenny Pickett in like round God, it was like round 30 plus in a CFF dynasty startup last year. Cause I was just looking for starters at that point. I was looking for guys that again, we were so deep into it. It was like 14 teams. We were so deep into it that I was just like, you know, I'm and Pickett looking- in our draft that I'm just speaking about was 18th round. Keep going. Exactly. So it like you're, but you're, that's so rare to find that. Um, so awesome, but if, if you're so steadfast in fading the position it's that you don't draft one until the 18th round, go see a doctor. <laughs> Think of this. I'm going to rattle off some quarterbacks that were picked right around Pickett in our league last year. Holton, Ehlers, Brandon Lewis, Hank Bachmeyer, Austin Own, Chase Garbers, Levi Lewis. Just goats. I, I was saying, just, uh, I, I'm, I'm wanting to vomit right now. <laughs> yes, those were goats. So picking Kenny Pickett out of the goats, that was a good lick. And again, yeah. you got to know your strengths, but the, uh, the money isn't on it. And honestly, the money's rarely on late round wide receivers. What we see or what I've seen over my couple of decades of experience with this is receivers are all about opportunity. Yep. Uh, uh, the running back, all he has to do is start. The wide receiver actually has to get the ball thrown to him. Yep. And there are tons of wide receivers that emerge every year. But again, you're not going to get a wide receiver one that way. It's just very rare that you do. So, but a, if- I, I would I would never say go into a draft and say I will not take a quarterback in the top seven rounds. Um, you know, like the four passes thing from Hoosiers. Don't be so rigid because if Cam Ward falls to you in round seven, take him. Take him. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Because there there are guys that surprise in every single draft. I just got done. So again, I I'll probably reference this draft. So I'm currently doing a slow draft. Um, with some people because uh, they couldn't do the live drafts. So I'm like, you know, I'll start up another slow mock draft. And I got the 12th pick. And so I was shocked when I could double tap uh, CJ Stroud at the 112. And, and Bryce Young? No, I went uh, Xavier oh. Worthy. Oh, okay, cool. And I was planning on starting running back early, like wanting to solidify running back. And I was like thinking, okay, round three and four, I'll grab a running back. Like there's going to be a guy there that I like. 
Guess who I took? Quentin Johnson and Marvin Harrison Jr. And you because love Marvin the, Harrison Jr. too, I do so love, that's a good pick for you. Exactly. So, but like, I but again, my plan going in was running back, but now I'm in the fifth round and I I don't have a running back still. Actually, that's a lie. I I did get to the fifth round. I did take a running back, but even still, like I didn't take a running back until the fifth round. My plan was to start early on running backs. So again, but but I still feel good about my team. Like even though that I didn't necessarily quote go to plan for it. Yeah. All righty. So let's go into the second segment there. Again, really appreciate all of you guys who responded to that. Um, for those of you who maybe we disagreed with a little bit more and everything, don't take it personal. We, I love hearing y'all's like, I love hearing y'all's um, thought processes and everything. I invited y'all to like tell me what you guys are thinking and everything, so that it kind of gives me a little bit of an idea of like what kind of strategies we should talk about here in the second part. And the second part is we are going to dive into the mock draft sample that I put into the CFF guide, and we. Um, basically how this works is this is not just a normal sample mock draft. This wasn't one of the, I've run like 17 different mocks during this off season. I didn't just pick one and throw it in the guide. What this one is, is a accumulation of all the drafts we did in June of 2022 and basically turned it into a mock draft form. So you're looking at basically the ADP put into a mock draft form and it gives us a better idea of really like, where the like with the order that they are in ADP, where they're coming off the board, um, and it's also just more visually interesting, in my opinion, than just looking at a list of people and numbers next to them. Um, but we're going to use this, uh, me and Mitch, today to discuss several different uh, strategies that you can maybe take and how we think how applicable they are. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the first six rounds of it. Uh, if you want all twenty of it, you have to buy the CFF ADP or the CFF guide. Um, but again, we'll talk the first six rounds and everything here. And, um, Mitch and I both have kind of some later rounds and everything. So when we talk about fading certain positions, we can definitely get into that a little bit deeper and talk about maybe some guys you can get later if that is your strategy. So yeah, uh, one more thing I'll clear up real quick is I'm going to, I'm going to say fade and like a heavy start for like certain positions and stuff like that. What I mean by that, a heavy start is I would say taking like three of that position in like the first four rounds. You see that all the time with people with like running backs and wide receivers. And then a fade, I'm gonna say a fade in terms of today is just not drafting that position until like the sixth plus round. And you can maybe we can talk about even going further than that. But I just want people to know when I use those terms, that's kind of what I'm talking about here today. Gotcha. So yeah, let's get into this. So first things first, let's talk about the, the I guess, consensus one that a lot of people like to talk about uh, when they feel like that they talk about uh, early starts and everything. And that's just the fade QB start. Again, we talked about this a little bit already, Mitch, but I'll let you start off again. Kind of reiterate what your thoughts are and how successful do you think people can really be <clears throat> with a six plus quarter, six plus round quarterback? <laughs> I think you can be really successful with any strategy. The first part that I want to share with you guys before we uh, dig in this, I, I talked about this. And during the second year, we used to do uh, the draft in person at my uh, parents' house. And a guy told us one time, uh, his name's Steve Schroeder, yeah. he would say, and he talked just like this, that guy wasn't even on my list. And I would tell people, you know, honestly, man, um, Lists don't matter as long as you're right. Yeah, they really don't. 
the first thing that I want to share with you guys before we dive into this is if you're right on a guy and you pick the right guy in a round every time, you're going to be competitive. Oh, yeah. That's it. Just be right. Just if you pick a guy in the sixth round, get sixth round quality, whatever that is, compared to your uh, competitors. If you're in the 12th round and you pick the same schleppy guy as every dude in the 12th round, which well, just a throwout round, it won't matter. So just be right. Now, how do you be right? So if you're fading quarterbacks, again, you better start looking at dudes and we'll, and we'll say the – so in six rounds of drafting mm-hmm. in a 12-team league, uh, let's look at your draft that you put up real quick. And we got one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 quarterbacks that went in those six rounds. So, what you better start looking at is QB 12 on your own personal list and lower. Yep. So, one of the things that I want to bring up you got to have a favorite guy or gal that you want to follow with projections. And when you're strategizing, you better believe them. So let's use somebody that each of us respect, John Lobb. His uh, stuff is free on Fantrax. You can, anyone can go to Fantrax.com, click on NCAAF, go to his articles. And his quarterback, that is 12, is the Tanner Mordecai, Grayson McCall, Cameron Ward, Garrett Schrader. Now, if you uh, are following John, he, he gives Cameron Ward 322 points, uh, projected points for next year, yep. which is about eight behind Quinn Ewers, who is a QB one in this, and behind Brennan Armstrong, which probably isn't in your this mock. But Quinn Ewers is, yeah, Quinn Ewers is, and oh no, Brennan Armstrong, he's yeah, in six as well. Sixth round. Yeah. So a guy like that, if you start building your team and you get lucky and get a guy like that, then I say the uh, fading the quarterback went well. Um, that's kind of my take on that. What do you what do you think about doing projections at the end of a draft for whomever you trust and just say who had the best draft based on projections? Do you ever do that? Oh, I've, I've I've done it for fun and everything like that. Certainly, and I think I think it's fun. I, again, do how much value do I think it has? Like truly going into the season, I'd say probably not as much as some people want it to have. Mostly because again, we have like I look, I have a sheet that compares like how people actually finished to what they were being drafted at last year, mm-hmm. and some of these guys hit. So, like, Bailey Zappi was the quarterback 18 being drafted, and he was the QB1 at the end of it. Um, let's see, who else here? Malik Willis was being drafted as QB1. He finishes QB7. I'd say that's pretty successful overall, considering how, how much variance there, there is. Um, okay. You also have guys like... Um, <laughs> For uh, DJ Uyangalele, who uh, was drafted as QB4. Preston Hutchison. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't even get me on that one. But then you have guys who came out of nowhere. Again, Kenny Pickett, quarterback 57 off the board in most leagues. All of a sudden, he's quarterback five last year. Sam Hartman. Okay. Well, hold on then. Hold on. We want to – look, we can't can't just let people – 
listen to this show and then hear, well, you just never know if you won a draft or not. I mean, you're not going to know if you won the draft till the end of the season if you won uh, the league. That's not true. See, we need to have a standard and you need to know, did I draft well or did I not? Mm-hmm. Here's one that I like. Um, on uh, Campus Canton, and I'm not sure who does the standard deviation uh, portion of the ADPs, but what I did uh, today to kind of prep for this show is I marked out of the top seven, 60 draft positions, risers, fallers, big risers, and big fallers. Now, here's, here's what I like about this strategy. Um, is someone rising because of opinion or is somebody rising because of fact? Watch. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn in May was uh, being draft uh, 10th. Deuce Vaughn now is being draft 4th. Why? Ain't nothing changed with Deuce Vaughn. It's just people are changing their strategies. However, mm-hmm. right behind them. Lou Nichols now is being draft 5th. Lou Nichols was being drafted 17. Why? Well, because of the transfer. Because of Kobe Lewis leaving. Exactly. So what you ought to do with these tools that people like Jared and the folks at C2C are giving you is see what's fact and what's fiction, what's what's an opinion, and then take that information and see if you can beat your friends with it. Here's what I mean. Uh, if your friends are looking at ADP and they, and they don't deselect all, Lou Nichols isn't going to be but like ninth, but Lou Nichols is better than ninth now. And you should know because click on the latest month of mock drafts. A lot of stuff has changed. Other other guys that I I thought were interesting. Uh, Rasheen Ali is a faller and Bryce Young are fallers. Yes. And I'm talking fallers being like five picks or more for top guys. And then as we go, I stretch it a little bit. No, I agree. There is absolutely no reason Bryce Young should be falling. None. No. Rasheen Ali, we have some just overall offensive-minded concerns, and the more studious people have talked. So you kind of kind of do your research on that. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of the fallers, a couple of the big fallers, okay? Uh, and this, I think, goes more to strategy. But, like, Zach Evans is a big faller. Uh, Ibrahim is a big faller. Uh, Levis is the big faller. Well, what happened with those guys? Again, go through the story. A couple of risers that I like, a big riser, Jacob Cowing. I think we've all just kind of said, you know, I don't think the quarterback situation in Arizona is as bad as we thought it was before Mm -hmm. spring game. So it's good. So again, if you like Cowing, if you want to dive into Arizona, you don't, don't overdraft Cowing because that just kills your winning the draft. What you're getting when you draft Cowing 50th is really a guy who's going right now 39th. Yep. And what I talk about in all these mock drafts with these experts like Jared is I talk about guys like Kamar Wheaton. In our first uh, few mock drafts, I got Kamar Wheaton like 100. Yeah. Now he's going like 40th. So I look back and say, I won that draft. I can agree. See, with he's got... He's got 40th value. And Kamar Wheaton may not do anything, but I know that at least to win the draft, it appears that that was a good selection. I can agree with you on that. That if you are if you draft somebody early on in the process that rises later on, and that's why I'm actually I actually talked about this with the people who were in the mock draft that I'm doing right now, that's a slow draft. 
and one of the guys said he's like i think i reached for miles price i think he took him like two seven um and i said i don't think that's as bad of a reach as you think it is because i guarantee you that by the time the season is starting miles price is probably going to be a second round wide receiver off the board for most people i think that just opinion is going to really kind of come around onto the idea that it doesn't matter who the quarterback is going to be at texas tech they're going to feed miles price the ball uh he's probably going to be the top wide receiver for them maybe he's not jared stearns because it's going to be hard to be jared stearns it's 1900 yards but even still he's still going to be a hell of great wide receiver and a pretty much a guarantee of volume so i think a lot of people are really going to warm up to miles price going off in the second round i know a lot of the more expert driven mocks that i've seen and a lot of the best balls and everything they're starting to really take Miles Price and what used to be a value in like the third round, I think it's quickly turning into like most people are going to start reaching up for him in the second round because again, it's the Kitley offense. Um, well, again, uh, Miles Price is third, and, and this is interesting too. Miles Price is third highest projected wide receiver on John Lobb's list, but he hasn't personally ranked as eighth. Was- Here's another thing with projections, okay. Sometimes you look and either you have an algorithm or a method or you're like me and you just look at the guys and you just get a feeling and you make a rankings list. And if I make projections, I could have a guy projected a little higher than another man. But if I see ADP and I see the needs of, you know, people during my draft, I may let that guy hang out and pick him another round later and feel like I'm getting a value because I actually have him projected earlier, but I felt that he might come back to me. All of these strategies too, with the gentleman who said uh, it's where you pick first for your strategy. What's interesting is I don't find that true in the first round, but I do in round nine. When you're picking in the middle, sometimes you can let a guy go back because he may come back to you. If you're picking at 12th and you say, well, it's normally either that guy or not have that guy because in good leagues, they're not coming back to you. No one's going to slip 23 slots in a draft. In addition to that, I'll also, I'll also throw this out because I, I talked about this with some of the people I've been doing dynasty startups and supplementals recently where the first, again, we're looking at the first six rounds here like on, on our page right now. Those first six rounds, it's relatively set, the people who are going to go in those first six rounds. But once you get past, once you get deeper and deeper into these drafts, consensus, I don't say, I don't want to say flies out the window, but it becomes much more variable as to where a person is going to come off the board. So, kind of talking about what you're talking about here, Mitch, you can't quite kind of roll the dice as much about a player coming back to you in the later rounds, in my opinion, because again, you you never know when they're going to come off the board. Again, I have my draft predictor tool and I, I stand behind it as much as I can. But in those later rounds, it, you'll see that the players that typically go there, where, like, where the distribution of when they're going to come off the board, the probability and everything, it's much greater than what you're seeing here in the top couple of rounds. So what I, my point is, if you have a guy in those later rounds it doesn't matter if it's a quote reach. It doesn't matter if you're taking him around maybe too early. If it's your guy, just go ahead and take him and leave no doubt. When, just go ahead and when would him. you when would you say um, throw the rankings out the window and pick your guy? Do you have a round? I would say I I start feeling that way a little bit more around like the tenth to twelfth round. Like that's okay, kind of cool. when I I start really kind of noticing that like things really start shifting among players. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to counsel everybody just maybe slightly different on this one. 
Um, stick to your process and stick to your projections. Agreed. Um, just don't reach on your own list. If you're reaching on someone else's, reach on them. That's fine. If if you think Jared's list is pretty good, but he has, uh, you know, uh, Levy's too low, well, then draft him a little higher. But if you made a list, stick to it, bro. Just stick to it. Just stick to your list. It, it's not a bad strategy. You know, let's discuss, if you don't mind, a couple of these guys in these uh, first six rounds that I want to bring up as, because uh, you said they're kind of set. I want to ask you about these fifth round running backs. Sure. Um, Beginning with Keaton Mitchell and ending with Isaiah Bowser. Uh, for for me, I don't like any of this round as set in stone. Those guys scare me, and I will take all of the guys in that 10th round just later, and I'll take these quarterbacks right in through here. Dylan Gabriel, Cameron Ward, Leary, Hayner, Mordecai, and Armstrong. Maybe not Armstrong, but all of the and Rogers, all of these five and six guys, I like much better than Jackson Dart at that round 10 quarterback. Hell, yeah. Tyler Show might not even start and he's in round eight. Frank Harris, I'm not big on Frank Harris either. So watch this. What I'm saying is take a quarterback in those rounds five and six if it is a chalky draft like this one. Mm -hmm. And then, and instead of taking Jareel Brock and Jackson Dart, take Dylan Gabriel and Ty McWilliams. I, I, again, I think that's very, very sound advice right there. Um, which I, again, it hurts my heart a little bit because I pretty much, again, in, in the mock draft I'm doing right now, I took my first running back right here i took christopher brooks who's not actually here in this range um I, I i'm actually starting to get a little bit higher on him now that uh, it sounds like he is the guy what did than... your draft predictor say about that selection oh is i don't it... even i don't even want to know don't want I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it was 90 something point something high yeah that's too early for chris brooks dude why'd you do it because i think that's where he should be going <sighs> anyway this man created a draft predictor and doesn't even go by his own predictor. One, one thing I want to share with you guys about this man's tool that I think is a way to show your uh, friends that you won a draft. And I'm going to keep putting it in air quotes because brothers, we're talking about a draft. Yeah. Um, it shows the probability that a player will come back to you. Yes. Well, when there's a 97% chance that a player will not come back to you, and he does, you need to give yourself 97.3 points. And at the end, you look at and you plug in as many teams as you want into the predictor of where it would have gone. You add it up, and whoever's got the most points wins. Because, yeah. see, that's yeah. rolling the dice. If it yeah. says Garrett Schrader's not going to come back to you in round 11 and you're in round 10 and you let him go and he does, that's a win. That's how you win the draft, man, it's rolling the dice. No, absolutely you don't fair. win the draft by taking Chris Brooks in round six. Now, I'll say this. You can win the league that way. And do you know, I'd much I mean, rather win I, the league every, than I win the and, draft. And, and, and see, nah, I'm, I'm about winning the draft. I want to win the draft, and I want to win the week one pickups, the week two, the week three, because I think if I beat you all year, I'm going to beat you. Uh, also, a high uh, 
a good draft selection is easier to trade a value guy before the season because he has perceived value as a third rounder that I got in the fifth. You can flip that guy for a fourth rounder maybe that you like better than he. Uh, so winning the draft's important. Don't don't discount. Now, if you draft right before the season, that isn't necessarily true. Fair. But if you draft early, that draft capital matters. Absolutely. Who, who do you who do you think in the these six rounds that you're sharing with people? Who do you think uh, shouldn't be in there? I mean, I've told people many times I'm fading the entire Virginia offense, uh, at least for the value that they're going. I will say, Liddell L- Liddell Lavelle Davis has started kind of c- catching my eye in like late late rounds because I do think he is going to be a end zone target for them coming back off an injury dude's like six foot seven uh very talented guy broke out his fresh true freshman year uh he's he's somebody i'm willing to invest at price but like dontavian wicks in the fifth brandon armstrong in the sixth miss me with that uh, every time um nicholas singleton is another one uh fifth round i'd say he is um Again, I like Nicholas Singleton I, a lot. I took him 101. You in our took dynasty. him first. Yes, so, you did. I, I took him first in our supplemental draft. Um, but fifth round, feeling uh, feeling a little that's getting a little too high uh, for me, at least in a redraft league. Because again, you're not going to be able to get him for the first uh, probably at least f- at, like let's let's say at best the first four or five weeks of the season as the true RB one. So if you're drafting him in a redraft league. You're drafting him for the last seven weeks, and are you sure that value is going to return for you? I drafted him as a 101 in a Dynasty Supplemental because I think I'm not only going to get some this year, but I think I'm going to get two full years of production after that with him as one of the best running backs for Penn State. But redraft, I think Nicholas Singleton is going too high. That's one place I do disagree with the great John Lobb. Uh, any other guys here that kind of stick out to me? Um... Uh... No, a lot of these. I mean, Chris Rodriguez. It depends on how much you believe in his legal stuff or not. Um, if you think he's going to miss the first he four set, games, he settled up. I, the last thing I saw was one game, and that's what I think it'll be. If it if it's one game, then uh, Chris Rodriguez in the sixth round is a steal at this point. But if it's four games and you lose out on those non-con games at the beginning, yeah, Chris Rodriguez, that's going to hurt a little bit. Um, yeah. Let's get back to some of these um, kind of draft strategies and everything. We talked about gotcha. fading QB, talked about that a long time. Um, so let's like kind of flip it over here a little bit. We'll go to this one kind of quickly. Uh, targeting a top quarterback, like let's say in the first two, like first two rounds, you are guaranteeing yourself a quarterback. Uh, you don't go running back, running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. What do you think about that real quick, Mitch? Uh, I love the quarterback, quarterback. The reason that I do is you begin your uh, league. So you get Caleb Williams, who's one of my, he's my QB one on my list and uh, Bryce Young at the double tap. Uh, Caleb Williams is projected on John Lobb's list at 392. Bryce Young's at 358. You add that up and it's 700 massive advantage. Yeah. And if you were to get the double tap at running back, and again, you you just said it the you know the other day. You were looking at your running backs and thinking, man, I just don't know right here. Your running back, running back would get you about four hundred forty points, depending on who falls to you. So again, going quarterback, quarterback, you begin with a three hundred point advantage. Now they're going to catch up with their quarterbacks, of course, but that's why you got to get your running backs later, which we'll go over in a minute. Which to me is the more important strategy, which is fading running backs. 
Yeah, let's go. Uh, so again, we kind of we kind of combined two that we're going to talk about here. I said first, just a top quarterback in first two rounds, and then you kind of touched on going two quarterbacks early. It sounds like you really like that strategy. I like that That's strategy good. if the league calls for it. Um, again, two quarterback, um, I think, kind of pushes you to draft two relatively early on. Now, again, if you're one quarterback and you just want to not worry about quarterback whatsoever, yeah, take two early on. And you just have a guy sit on your bench for a good chunk of the season. But uh, two quarterback, yeah, I don't mind going two quarterbacks relatively early. But again, I do like the second tier of quarterbacks quite a bit. A lot of high upside guys there. I think you could wait just a little bit there. But I think, honestly, grabbing a top quarterback that you typically find pretty much, I'd say, after, after Cameron Ward, who is taken at the end of the fifth round, to me, is mm-hmm. again, here's, here's the buzzword again. That's where the tier break is for me at quarterback. If you can grab w- at least one guy in that first group of quarterbacks and then you wait a little bit to grab your second one, I feel much more comfortable with that than just fading the entire position altogether and trying to find two diamonds in the rough past the fifth round. Okay. For those that are uh, fading, let me give you a few guys that I like. I like AR-15. Mm-hmm. I like Jake Hayner. I like Garrett Schrader. I like Colin Schley. I like Tyler Van Dyke. I like Mordecai if he falls in a league where people are scared. I like Devin Leary. I like Clayton Toon. Those are all uh, John Rice Plumley. I like him. Emory Jones, a little farther back. Okay, and I back. say, did you hear? Uh, oh, no. Yeah, y'all are way wrong on Emory Jones. Uh, Arizona State ain't got nothing. He's going to run the ball 15 times and get 80 yards all the time. All he's got to do is fall into the end zone once, and it's a good fantasy day. Um, And then, honestly, I think they got so many problems at running back, he'll likely fall into the end zone (laughs) running a one-yard touchdown every now and then. So, uh, But he is way off. He's your QB2 in a fade. He's not your QB1 in a fade. Those other guys would be. Uh, So he's a QB2. Uh, but no, a lot of those guys are going to be really, really good. I would just, I, I mean, I love taking quarterback, quarterback and getting ahead, but if you don't, those some good dudes to get. I agree. I'll throw some names out here as well that you didn't mention. Grayson McCall going in the eighth round. Again, I know there's some injury concerns there and everything, but he came back for a reason. He could have gone off to the NFL last year. It sounds like he really wanted to come back for another year. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, dude's going to pass for at least 4,000 yards this year as a full-time starter for Purdue. I think he's a good value in the seventh round. Uh, Daquan Finn, dual threat quarterback in the MAC. Yeah, those first couple of weeks are probably going to suck a little bit, but if I remember correctly, I can't remember off the top of my head, Toledo's non-con is actually not that bad. I think they play Ohio State, but I think outside of that, their non-con is actually relatively easy. So again, dual threat quarterback in the MAC. Give me that in the eleventh round. Uh, Jaron Hall, I think there's some upside there in twelfth round. Jared Dougie, I know you're you're kind of off Dougie at Western Kentucky, but again, I'm a system, system. guy. So yep. if he is the starter and they get the volume. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll give you that in the 12th round. Clay Millen at Colorado State, another system. Uh, clearly the next guy up. Give me that in the 14th round. Um, but again, Tagalavoa. Tagalavoa. But all these guys, I feel much more comfortable if I'm grabbing them as my second or third QB, and I already have a solidified stud from that first group in the first five rounds. Again, some I, people, I think some people, both of us feel that you ought to draft one quarterback. Yes. Um, that's it seems like a more sound strategy because those top tier uh do score uh just a cut above even any of these guys at their best uh but don't be scared it's deep 
It's deep water. So if you if you can swim in that deep water, go get you some. Alrighty, let's go ahead and move on to running backs. And we'll kind of combine right. both of the running back running back strategies here. Again, you could do a running back heavy start. I call that the John Lobb special, where you are drafting like three, two to three in the first four rounds, and like that you're solidifying your running back group. Or you could fade running backs and not really worry about it until like the sixth, seventh round. Mitch, I can tell already from your face which way you're going on this. So I'll let you start. Uh, Dudes, fade the running back. Look, man, uh, I even looked at our drafts from uh, last year and two of the top eight draft uh, running backs busted. Don't be afraid. Embrace the fade of the running back. There are so many guys out there that could be absolutely tasty, super late from the Mike Washington's and Micah Kelly's that we talked about that are going, I mean, just in nothing, but in the middle of the draft, like Carson Steele, a thousand yard, uh, Mac returning starter folks like that, um, it's so plentiful. I could go through just the zagging everywhere. Zag on the North Texas running back. Zag on the old Miss running back. Um, There's just a ton of tasty, tasty running backs that are going mid to late rounds that could easily get you a thousand yards. Now, look, I'm talking about in rounds 14, 15, 16, but let's go back to the fade thing that you said. Sixth round and up, you don't pick any. Well, let's start with some guys that I really like that are right after that. Uh, Dominique Richardson, Travis Dye, Ibrahim, Ty McWilliams, uh, Chris Ibrahim's going in the fourth, uh, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. And that's just, I, if that, and then let him go. Cause if that's as high as he is, let him go. Um, again, not a fade, but all of those other guys are Blake Watson again, gets a hundred yards every game. Uh, there's there's way too many thousand yard 10 touchdown guys to get in those rounds and then just waiting and I shared with you earlier the guys that went last year in my home league they're going to be guys that are the same this year uh if you get the Maryland uh running back situation uh right if you get North Carolina State or Florida State's running back situation just right tons of things I'm fade all day on running back let me. I'm. I'm looking at last year, so I just pulled up my sheet and everything. I'm. I'm because you kind of piqued my interest with in terms yep. of like who busted, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. But that was injury, so I'm not going to knock that too much. Had had huh? he started the whole season, he huh? would have been a stud. Hold on, hold on. Look and see how many wide receivers in the top get hurt. It doesn't happen very often. See, that's something when you invest in that high round running back, they're always a slightly more injury prone than the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So you got to factor that in. But keep going. But he was a bust. Um, Kevin Marks. That I was off Kevin Marks last year, so like, I, <laughs> but he went. You can't. I, I, I saying, you I, were I, right, but the I, list I, no, I, I, That's I'm, two I'm pat- of the. No, no, no. Okay. That was me patting right. myself on the back again. Okay. No, again, that was a bust. Uh, Austin Jones, RB twelve last year. That's a bust. Uh, yep. Eric Gray, RB fourteen. That was a bust. Ulysses Bentley, SMU. That was a bust. Um, but those are so that's top sixteen that's guys, five. and that's a third of them were busts. Fellas, you don't have to do it. Look, we're going to be talking more and more, especially Brandon, about incoming freshmen. And you're going to hear a bunch of stuff on five-star this and four-star that. Do you know how often five-star running backs hit? It's about a third of the time. Look, you, you all you got to do is get it right and get starters. Brad Roberts last year, 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns. Everybody says he's no good. Well, okay, 
keep piling up men that get a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and you're going to be just fine at running back yeah absolutely fair um so in terms of so all right you so, so you are thinking that there's going there's going to be a third of the first 16 off the board pretty much are going to be bus who are you that, looking at in these first six rounds that yep. you think are going to be bus at the running back position mitch yeah let me pull up my list again. I have mine. Okay. I, I have two right off the bat. Tank Bigsby, yeah. Zach Evans. I, I'm, I'm off of both of those guys. Yeah, I know. you, And you've been off of those guys. Guys that I would say buyer be well, beware. Brandon Bennett, Jareel uh, Brock, Nick Singleton, Isaiah Bowser. Uh, those four for sure. Evans, Bigsby, A-Chain. A-chain, really? Seven. You're, you're an yeah, AM guy, so that's a little interesting. Yeah, he's uh I think he's a little too gimmicky. Mm, fair enough. I don't I don't see him as a 180, 190 carry guy. Mm-hmm. Um you're in a PPR league might help, but they're uh I just I uh-uh. I mean, I wasn't an Isaiah Spiller guy. I'm still not. He's in the NFL and I don't think he's gonna start. I think A chain's really fast. He could easily, I'm not gonna say easily, that's too mean. But I give him a 25% chance of busting. So those are seven dudes that I would say, I bet five of them bust. Yeah, I'd say, again, I like Isaiah Bowser, but there's no denying the fact that, again, he's been injured. And he's shown that once he is injured, it's hard for him to come back fully. It wasn't until the end of the season when he had some time to actually recover uh, that he was able to get 30 touches again. So, again, I'm hoping, um, again, there's that word, hope. That he does not get injured, but again, very some bust potential there. I've already talked about Singleton. Um, I like Jairo Brock, but again, I love also love Cartavius Norton. So there's a good chance that if Norton does overtake him, then Brock's gonna be a bust. Braden Bennett, I've always thought was a little interesting. Like, I get the upside. I like him a lot in terms of just a pure talent. But we've seen that that Coastal Carolina running back group, it really can't just depend on the day which running back's going to get. The majority of the touches some last year sometimes it was reese white sometimes it was Braden. Bennett, sometimes it was um shamari jones i mean shamari jones was the number one by the end of the season but if, if you own shamari jones last year if you rostered him on your team you knew the frustration of like some weeks yeah. he would go off for 20 points and then the next week he's got like five six carries and you're sitting there like nah, what happened what so what i see with this and we'll i i know this is the segue so we'll i'll, I'll just take the segue here when you look at these top six uh, rounds of wide receivers, Wicks, Cephas, Stephen Cobbs, that's about it of guys that I would say, I bet you. I'd say I Butte. Bet you they I throw bust. Butte in there as well. well I think there's Butte, bust potential. Yeah, no, you got to. Okay, so four. Yeah. Um, so looking at this, what what I believe, is the soundest strategy is to go wide receiver, wide receiver. Um, And if you can, on this list that you're looking at, look at Team L. Jordan Addison, Xavier Worthy, Brock Bowers, Cephas. Um, If you replaced Cephas, in my opinion, with Jaden Reed, who goes nine picks later? I just like him better. Yeah. And if you if you replaced Bowser with Nathaniel Pete, Die, Chase Brown, or Edwards, all of them going later, mm-hmm. and then replace Brennan Armstrong with either Mordecai Hayner, Leary, 
O'Connell, DTR, Plumley, like all of those dudes are better than him. And you go something like Addison, Worthy, Bowers, um, Reed, Reed, and Pete. Yeah, Die, O'Connell, and John Rice Plumley. You won the draft. When you look at what your uh, guys are going to be projected at, and again, you know, going back to that waiting on the quarterback um, idea, when you look at the projections from again. You pick the site. I keep going to John Lobb because I, I, I just love the guy. I think he's great. Uh, Jake Hayner, Clayton Toon, and Devin Leary are all projected over 314 points, uh, which is very similar in points to uh, guys like Will Rogers at 354 and, you know, Grayson McCall at 299 who are ranked in front of them. You get those guys in round seven or eight, and you want, you won the draft. You did. Uh, now, again, I mean, are you going to win the league? Well, what if Jordan Addison and it doesn't work at USC? What's Xavier Worthy? What if you were sucks? Like, what if anything happens? But that's as well as you can play the draft. I think you take wide receivers in this core of top six. I feel there are going to be fewer busts at quarterback, certainly. Yeah. Wide receiver next. Tight end, I would say certainly the those the the top tight ends probably are not going to bust but the thing is the top running backs could and in my opinion i just shared with you oodles of dudes who if you just pick those guys in the middle sure half of them are going to stink but then half of them aren't and you're you're turning out thousand yard 10 touchdown guys when other people are selecting the number two wide receiver for utsa it just doesn't to me, I just don't think going running back, running back is a sound strategy. No, and I think that's fair. I think part of it is, and again, I'm not like, uh, I'll careful how I say this and everything, but I think part of it is also just like you knowing yourself, Mitch. Like you are be- you are able to better, ident- like you mentioned this earlier, you're, ba- you're better able to identify the top wide receivers that you really like, but you're not as good as finding them later. Maybe somebody else feels kind of a similar way, but they feel about running backs. So like, already, I know which running backs here are not going to be bust? Maybe, again, take out injury and all that, because, again, injury happens um, to a lot of different players throughout the season and everything. But maybe they, they're, like, I really, like, I am feeling so strong on, like, take Team A, for example. Like, he is like, I am taking Bijan because Bijan's going to kill it this year. You and know, I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Look, one other thing that we haven't discussed in strategy, and I just want to mention it real quick. Uh, beware of today's athlete and the fact that if you are draft eligible and a star on a team that isn't great, mm-hmm. that you might not finish the year. And I'm talking to you, Bijan. Let, let, let me, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it clear. I was mostly just using that team as an example. Like, let's say that that player, Team A, just feels really good about Bijan and Dwayne McBride. Maybe he throws out what you're talking about and everything about, like, maybe he doesn't finish the year and stuff like that. But if he feels really good about running backs and he says, but I really don't like my ability to hit on guys late, maybe that kind of changes his strategy. At the end of the day, it is all about how comfortable you feel. There's no one answer. There's no one great strategy that everyone should adopt otherwise you would see the first round is all running backs second round is all quarterbacks third round is all running backs or something like that like if, if everybody had a consensus idea of what they wanted to get for their teams that was all the same 
it, you would see a lot more runs. You would see a lot like again, you see some runs here and everything. But talk it. Well, and and again, I know we don't want to keep the show to. What is your strategy on runs? Yeah, so, uh, go back to your ADP. We'll go back to the list everybody's looking at. Um, are you a believer in? You just if you're if that's your strategy and you want to go Rashan Ali, you go Rashin Ali. Uh, or are you a guy who says, yeah, you know, it's time to take A.T. Perry? So I am. So first of all, I agree with you. Never, never end the run. Always, always try to start the run. If that is something that you like, if 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 you have to choose one of those, start the run. Don't end the run. I will also say this, though. Again, I talked about we, we talked about tears so many times and everything. Everybody has how they feel about tears. If you see a run going at a certain position and you're looking at the players you find available there and you're running out of players that you think are available in that tier, I think it is okay in that instance to take, if it's like your last guy in that tier, it is okay for you to take that guy who is part of that run and say, listen, I don't want to miss out on this tier. I think that is an acceptable, even if you're the last guy in that round, like you still got your guy and you can work with, but like if you saw like a wide receiver run and you have one right wide receiver left and you had like eight picks until your next pick, but you're looking at your running backs and you're like, okay, there's like three, four guys that I would be happy with here. Even if maybe you value them a little higher than that other wide receiver and everything. I think that is a more sound strategy than just being like, well, I have these running backs kind of rated higher. Like, I like them better, so I'm just going to go ahead and take the running back than miss out on an entire tier of wide receivers. Does that make sense? It does. No, it does. Uh, I'm looking at this list, too. I assume that many people have Rasheen Ali as their last running back one, and the Tucker Charbonnet, Taven Thomas begins uh, tier two. Yes. I would uh, say where so. A.T. Perry, Addison, and Worthy – I would imagine are all t- tier one wide receivers. I mean, I would have to look at a, you know, whomever I trust tier list. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to poke you one time though on this. Poke me. So like Bijan Robinson and Xavier worthy are, um, and we'll just go top four. So we'll say stars. Yes. Those two guys are stars in rounds one and two that are on a team that might not be contending. Uh, Boutte is a first-round talent guy that's on a team. Do you see anybody else? Like, is Josh Downs, is he draft eligible after this year? He is. So Josh Downs is a guy then. Quentin Johnson is draft eligible after this year, correct? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and he's on a team that might not be good. Are you concerned about that at all, people shutting it down? I, I mean, I'm concerned. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's one of those things where I don't think we have, like, the COVID year kind of set a lot of this in motion, where you had a lot of players start kind of just opting out, which was a pain in the ass for drafting that season. Because uh, you would draft a player in the second round, and then all of a sudden the mm-hmm. next week you could find out they just completely opted out of the season. Yeah. Um, it takes one. It takes one player to really kind of start the trend, one big-time player. And I think that is the concern for a lot of people with Bijan, that Bijan is going to be the one that sets that trend because it's not often that you get like a first-round grade as a running back 
for the NFL. And part of the whole thing with running backs is you want to save as much tread on the tires for when you go into the when you go into the NFL. So I agree yep. with you that like if Bijan kicks that off, that is a whole different aspect of CFF that we're going to have to be concerned about in years to come. But I'll share with everybody but, who's listening. Okay, go ahead. Finish. The big but is it hasn't happened yet. There's zero chance in a redraft league. I draft Bijan Robinson before Trayvon, uh, Deuce, Lou, Braylon Allen, or Ali. No chance. Because I'm just afraid he's not going to be there in November and December when I want him. Mm-hmm. No, no way. Those and other that, guys aren't. Those other guys aren't that much worse than him. And in you fact, are those other who's... guys aren't worse than like Rasheed Ali and Lou Nichols are going to rush for more yards than Bijan Robinson. And that's an easy. That's an easy one. Hmm. Like if we were all betting, I'll take that bet all day. That's a that's an easy bet. Um, now Bijan probably going to catch some balls out of the backfield or whatever yeah. that Ali probably won't. But you know, for fantasy, but no, man, I. I want I want my guy to be there at the end. We talk about this with the Mac guys. Yeah. You you want him at the end if you can survive at the beginning. The thing that I definitely don't want is to thrive in September and flounder in November. That's no fun at all. No, and I I totally get that. But again, it depends on how people just kind of view the situation overall. If you're not concerned about it, I don't blame somebody for taking Bijan in the first I do. round. I totally blame them. Oh no, those, no. Now what if it happens later in the season, then yeah, they gotta take their out. They 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 rolled the dice and they lost. Um, but if it doesn't, and Bijan is still available there at the in the last two weeks of the season, they play in the Big Twelve. There's not a ton of great defenses out there. If he's playing, they're they're gonna love having him on their roster. Fade um, Bijan and take McWilliams of Baylor. <laughs> yes, there exactly. In the first round. No, I'm joking. Don't 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 nah, take McWilliams okay. in the first round. All right, we'll touch on one last thing here and everything, and because uh, it's the one position group we haven't hit on here yet. We'll talk tight ends. How are you? Where do you fall on the early tight end versus late tight end strategy? Like you're not gonna like again. We see Brock Bowers and Michael Meyer there going at the end of the third round. Zach Coons yes. and Michael Trigg in the fifth round there, and then you have a whole group of people later down the line. Uh, looks I'm like I'm only a believer in the top two guys, um, and then I'll push up Gilbert uh, to the highest part of the second tier. Because uh, I do think he's going to have a good season, but for me, this is uh, tight ends are about two positions or two men, uh, Meyer and Bowers. I, if they are available for you in the third round of a league that starts a tight end, put them in, man. Uh, you'll have an advantage over probably six or seven teams in your league, mm-hmm. which is always nice. And again, um, if you go receiver, receiver, and that's your third guy. I really like the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't take like on our list here, Ewers or Ward, any of those guys in front of him. And I just shared with you that I would wait on running back. I think you can. So yeah, if you're, if you went receiver, receiver, then you ought to pick them. If you've gone, you know, running back, running back, then I would probably, you know, pick a wide receiver in round three instead of them. Uh, so if you got a receiver hole, I'd rather that second, like Josh Downs and mm-hmm. Price and all them, I'd rather have them if I didn't draft receiver or receiver. But if I go receiver or receiver, I'll take uh, either one of those guys in round three. Anything earlier than that is too early, even for yeah, a I tight agree. end premium. I, I kind of agree with you. And 
you say it's all about the top two guys for you. For me, it's all about the top four. Uh, I adore the, the way everything's coming together for Michael Trigg. I've made that plainly clear on this oh, podcast and everywhere. Um, <laughs> so I won't harp on that too much. But also Zach Koontz. I do think Zach Koontz belongs in this kind of like upper tier with these four because the dude had 112 targets last year. You don't find that with tight ends uh, very often. So... You're so silly. This dude got 690 yards and five touchdowns. You want to put him in the uh, tier with Brock Bowers. Yeah. You're crazy, I'm, dude. In a PPR you and 112 crazy. targets? Hell yeah. Brock Bowers you only had 60, almost 60 crazy. catches last year. Uh, no, no. And, and with all of Cooch's targets, he had 73. Now, I'm not dogging it, but if you're only catching half your targets, that's scary. Even, so but even, but even so, I love those top four guys. I want to have one of those top four guys uh, in any league. And I like grabbing Koontz and Trigg in the fifth round greater than grabbing Browers and Meyer in the third. That's just my are you, opinion. Are you starting to worry about the inaccuracy stuff from Ole Miss with Dart? Are you worried? I Because, like, and if Altmeyer starts, are you worried? Trigg so, is a, a very special athlete at tight end. Um, I think if... Uh, if he had Matt Corral, I would say he would be with the top three tier, you know, in the, no, the tier agree. with the top two guys. I just, um, I'm going to pass on him here. That's all. No, I, uh, I, I, I like I, Trigg. I uh, and Trigg is much better than Coons uh, as a, you know, could oh, be for fantasy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in, in that, in that round, I just, I don't go that in that direction. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass on them right now. I'll say this about the Ole Miss offense and everything. Um, again, don't love what I'm hearing about Dart and Altmaier just in general. I'm hoping they pay, take a big step forward in the fall, obviously. Um, and I and I expect them to because again, again, Lane Kiffin's a pretty good um, uh, quarterbacks coach. The thing that all that I really care about with Ole Miss though is that they can run the ball. And the good thing is they just brought in two suds to run the ball. They got Zach Evans and they got uh, they got Ulysses Bentley. I think that is going to keep them moving on the field, even if. Zach or Jackson Dart and um, Luke Altmar, whoever's starting, maybe isn't passing quite as well. All I care yeah. about is that they get down there in the red zone because that's where Michael Trigg is going to do his magic. I, I did that, and uh, him getting eight or nine touchdowns wouldn't surprise me, Not and that all. puts him in a really good tier. It's just in that round again, we're talking about drafting. Uh, draft Rodgers, Gabriel, or Cameron Ward, Hayner, draft those guys instead. Mm, I get you. Uh, so what do you think about, like, if, if you miss out on these top guys and everything, Mitch, how late are you waiting um, in order to get your next tight end? So late that someone's going to text me and say, dude, we're in a tight end league. That's how late. Super yeah. late. I don't even know how to respond to that. It's going to be so late. In drafts where I have waited, uh, I've waited until dang near the end. Uh Actually, I kind of like some guys like Bartholomew. I would say round 20. And, Izeki and Bartholomew in round 20. I like that quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Isaac Rex. I, I, you know, if you're throwing a dart, he used to be, you know, I, before his injuries, he might be something. But man, I'm telling you, some of the little secrets that you can get on that uh, campus to Canton site. Um, I started looking at some of these tight ends that they had ranked that I wasn't, I was like, who? Who is this guy? There are some converted wide receivers on these tight ends lists. You need to look at eligibility. Yep. Um, there's some really good situations like in Miami 
Um, the Hurricanes could have uh, some passing to the tight ends. There's been a lot of hubbub about a couple of those dudes. Uh, Oklahoma was uh, is a traditional tight end school. They got a, a lot of good young players. Uh, you might get the next Michael Trigg this year if you just pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, the information's out there. In the last round of a hundred league league, there's a uh, a couple from Michigan State. Um, I like some of those athletes. But go to the go to your favorite recruiting sites and pick the animal at tight end. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is, I found a couple. And in a different show, we'll go over some tight ends or whatever, but there are some really high level recruits from the classes of uh, 2021 and 2022, where there are going to be some men playing at tight end and you might get lucky. And again, we're talking about investing essentially no draft capital in, you know, uh, the starting tight end for Oklahoma or Miami. Why not take a stab? Uh, North Carolina. North Carolina has some uh, very athletic tight ends as well. Dude, Nesbitt, uh, I know a lot of people are getting on him. I know Mike Baker has just been hyping him up real quick. One last point I want to make on tight ends here, because I actually found this very, very interesting. So, last year, um, the so if you drafted one of the top 12 preseason ADP tight ends, you had a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 out of the 12 finished as a top 12 tight end on the league. Pretty good hit right there. It was yep. also a pretty good year for tight end. We knew a lot of the top guys. However, every single other one, the other five, all were undrafted in every league. Yeah, uh, it's a Guys like Bowers, Bowers, Jelani Woods, Zach Koontz, Garrett Prince, Jordan Myers, all undrafted. So yeah. I think there is and something Jordan, to be... Jordan Myers is something that I encourage you all to look at. That was my tight end that I drafted in your group of five draft. And it was because he had dual eligibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are still some with wide receiver tight end eligibility. Find them. And what I'm talking about are the guys who are going to get 50 catches, 500 yards and five touchdowns just outside of like a top eight or 10 type of guy. But you you spend zero draft capital. Like you can just draft them last. Find them. They're there. Yeah, They're there. I, I, I definitely can agree. And that's what that. I did with uh, Myers last year with Rice. It does, it, it does it, again, like looking at this, it is striking to me just like how like a lot of those like in between guys just were complete busts. But there is something to be said about going after the top guys that you know about and then also just waiting till the very end. Yeah, uh, well, certainly them. like you bring up the Coons and you, you like Coons obviously much better than I do. Yeah. But even I know he's going to get 60 catches. And you don't know that about Bartholomew. I like Bartholomew too, but to say I know he's going to get 60 catches, of course I don't. He's a risk. Kuntz is not a risk. But, dude, just – and again, this is a draft show. Please draft Cameron Ward before Kuntz. That's it. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. If I didn't have a quarterback by that point, yeah, no. Ward's coming off the board before Kuntz. All right. All right. Mitch, it has been awesome to have you on today, man. Again, I love discussing with you. Again, I, I designed this show to be more freeform discussion and everything. Uh, very loose in terms of the uh, very loose in terms of the topics. Because again, that's where you thrive, man. You are awesome. Your experience I appreciate just leaps it. out of your microphone. Um, 
again, you think differently than a lot of us experts do now, but that, again, that comes from your years of experience playing this a lot longer than quite frankly, I've been alive. So it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's been fun, man. If I had a t-shirt, a draft t-shirt, it would be zag. That's yeah. all I would say, please zag. And what I mean by that for people that haven't listened to me on uh, one of y'all's uh, podcast, be the guy who starts the run, even if it hurts. Mm-hmm. Be the guy who says, if I am going to wait for quarterback, you ain't never going to see somebody wait longer. Be the guy who says, if I'm going to wait for running back, I am picking every Mac and Sunbelt running back known to man because I'm going to hit big at the end. And at the end of the season, I'm going to be running. Uh, just zag. Don't, don't be a conventional thinker. I'm going to plug it one more time, and I, I don't have a dog in this fight. Look at the draft predictor and see who you think should be drafted right now that can wait. Look and see, especially if you're like fourth, if you pick fourth, and there's going to be six more selections before you take. Look and see their roster mix, and you make a dice roll and say, you know what? Those fools already drafted a bunch of running backs, and I think they're going to let McWilliams stay. And, and it's it'll say McWilliams, 97.8% chance, or to what it'll say is 2.2 chance of coming back. That means a 97.8% chance that you ain't going to get him. Pick somebody else and see if he comes back to you. That's how you win the draft. And again, I'm not really talking about winning the league today because no. a lot of leagues are structured different. What I'm talking about is winning the draft, and that's how you can win the draft. No, I, thanks for I, having I, me I, on. I appreciate it. No, dude, it's, it's been awesome. And and honestly, again, you've been a check on me pretty much this entire time because you're right. Like a lot of the stuff I kind of talked about today was more about winning the league than it really is winning the winning the draft. But if you're just talking about like how you feel coming out of the draft, that's how you do it. It's getting your guys that you're higher on and at a much better value than you were kind of expecting them to get. So no doubt. Just think if you drafted a month ago and you drafted Kamara Wheaton a hundred. And you only drafted him because you heard he's five-star guy going to a smaller school, Big Fish Little Pond, and you drafted him. And you don't know Kamar Wheaton for nothing. Most of us don't. Yeah. We ain't never watched a game with Kamar Wheaton playing in the game. But now you could trade Kamar Wheaton for Will Rogers because somebody says, well, Kamar Wheaton's going 45th right now. Will Rogers is going 48th. And now – and you take the hundredth pick in the draft and you turn him into a guy who's going to rush for or throw 4,000 yards. That's how to, that, that's how to take winning the draft into winning the league. Winning the draft is all about perception. And that's why when you win the draft, you need to brag to everybody that you did. I got this guy late. I got that guy late. I got this guy late. And you pump up the value, not of the guys you want to trade, the guys you don't want to trade. Then people think, damn, that guy's got a good team. And then you throw in, well, you know, man, I got Wheaton too. Now, y'all didn't even like Wheaton. And look, I drafted Wheaton 100 years after y'all drafted these guys. Now he's driving 45. Look at look at Moxley. Moxley loves him some Kamar. And you start pitching that idea that, man, I had that super smart draft and this guy. And that's when you trade somebody for Will Rogers and you dupe them. Because that's really what it is. It's just a hustle. Because Kamar Wheaton hadn't uh, produced anything. No. I, I Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to argue pretty much with any of that. <laughs> so, again, Mitch, it has been awesome having you on, man. We're uh, running a little long, so we're going to finish finish up here and everything. Really appreciate all of you guys listening to this awesome episode. I think you're going to get tons of little nuggets out of this. And again, I hope that 
we make you a little bit more confident kind of going into your drafts in terms of like what you should be looking for in terms of like how to determine what like Mike Bishop, whether you truly feel like you won the draft or not. It is not about is to recap, really, it's not about sticking to your plan and like, did you get the guys that you wanted to get into going into the draft? First of all, that's how you lose the draft is if you have a, a select number of guys, you're like, this is the team I'm going to have. You will feel terrible about yourself. Uh, but secondly, it is more about getting the guys you wanted, but getting them at a better value, even if it's necessary, even if it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just about getting the guys you want at a later value. And again, it, you feel like Mitch said, you feel even better when those guys, guys continue to rise and you're sitting there thinking to yourself like, oh my God, I was early on this guy and I got a great deal out of it. So really hope this helps you guys out with your drafts coming up. It is draft season here really soon. That's why we wanted to get an episode like this out here. Mitch, you have been awesome. And again, y'all check out all the other stuff we got going on at campuscanton.com. Again, all the CFF stuff, ADP, rankings. Uh, Mitch has plugged it several times. That draft predictor tool can be used in so many different ways. Check out the CFF guide, only $20. Uh, absolute steal of a value, so make sure you go and check that out. Otherwise, I will see you guys next week, and y'all have a wonderful week.